I'd like for you to turn to one of your old friends in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Let's pray. Fathers, we approach your word this morning. We do so with thanksgiving that you have opened our eyes to see what we have seen, to know what we do know, to understand what you've given us to understand. We give you thanks for that. This word, as you have said, and as we have experienced, has become our life. We're willing to base our whole life on what this book is about. So we ask you once again this morning as we assemble here that you would open our eyes and our hearts to go deeper into what you have for us that when we leave here today we will have benefited from our meeting. And we thank you for your anointing on our hearts, my mouth, this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'm just captured in my life by the faithfulness of God. I guess I'm stuck there in my life. Been 40 plus years, 44 years in June. As I look back through the years and all the bumps and the holes and the mountains and the valleys, God has been faithful. What he has promised that we have stood on, being persecuted for it, he has done it. When it didn't look like it would ever work, he did it. We claimed a better used car and got a new one. We even claimed a house when we had no income, and he gave us more than one. And so I am standing here today thankful for what I have learned, personally learned, and experienced about God's faithfulness. But that's not just something for me only. It's for whosoever. So what he's done for one of us, any of us, He'll do for anybody if you meet the conditions. Now, I want to talk today about God's faithfulness for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, he said, For there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Can you say that? But God is faithful. Now, that's where he puts in the middle of his statement there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God, remember this, he says, is faithful. In what way? In this way. He will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Barrett obviously means he's not going to get you out of the trouble, the trial, the pressure, the difficulty, the circumstances that he divinely leads you into. He's not going to get you out of it, but while you're in it, he's going to show you something, reveal something, teach you something, manifest something in the middle of it. And that the end of this thing will be better than the beginning because we are willing to trust three words, God is faithful. If he's not, I perish. If he's not, I have become a fool. If he is, I am more than a conqueror because I am trusting him for what he has said. And if he has said something, I am counting on him to do it. If he doesn't do it, I perish. If he does do it, 
I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. I win. It comes down to that. It's either or. And so when he says God is faithful, it means that in your trials, temptations, and testings, that he is in charge of what's going on in our lives right now today with all the things that we hear about and know about and the things that are going on. He's in charge. Now, a lot of people may not believe he is, but he is anyway. Because he said he will not allow us to be, whatever we mean by testing, he will not allow us to be tested more than what we're able to handle or cope with, with whatever level of life we have, whatever amount of knowledge we have of the word, what we have is sufficient to deal with our circumstances. And he will make a way of escape so that during this thing, you'll be able to bear up under it and reach the end of it as a victor and not defeated. So notice five revelations to me. There were five revelations here. One is temptations are common to man. It's not unusual for you as a Christian to be tested. God is teaching you things to believe. The Bible tells you what you should believe. Whether or not you believe that, it's not because you say it, but whether or not you stand with it and not let go of it when there's opposition to it. All of us can say with our mouths we believe anything we want to. You can, say, you can believe whatever you want to. Churches are taught how to say, I believe God. And so I guess that to them means you believe God. Do you believe him when it doesn't seem like he's present? Do you believe him when he's not near in your trials or in your circumstances? Do you believe him when the bills are in and this is not right and that's not right? And everything is not even close to what you heard that he does and you're not getting any of that. Do you believe it then? You believe that God still does all these wonderful things in spite of a lack of evidence? Could be you're being put to the test. God is testing you. He does that in the Bible. Proves you. But see, that's common. This is the only way I know of that we can grow. This is the only way that we can determine within ourselves that we really do believe what we say we believe. I can think of no other way the devil will ever have to respect us and to know than to experience our rejection of him because of our authority in Christ. As we go through a trial, we, we rebuke him and we stand against him. He eventually, he's got to let go. Because if you resist the devil, he will flee. He has to flee and he knows he has to flee, but it takes a while for him to know that he cannot defeat you. Because we're going to find out if you are one of those people that I refuse to be defeated. I refuse to lay down and give up and quit. I would rather die than to do that. And so you'll find out. You'll find out because you'll be tested. Secondly, is God is faithful. What a revelation. God is faithful. God is faithful. He is reliable, trustworthy, and he is steadfast and he will make good what he said because he has never said anything he can't do and nothing is too hard for God. And he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. Do you believe that? See, this is the statements that he makes to us about who he is. Didn't he promise us this, that if we will believe his word, that he will reveal himself to us? It's more than just words. 
He's revealing reality or truth to you. This is who our God is. And we read in the Bible and any part of it about his greatness. And his greatness is based on his faithfulness. If he said it, remember Numbers 23, if he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. Now, if I don't have that, I'm not going to throw in all I have and depend on all my tomorrows on what he said there. I've got to know in my heart that that's right. And the only way I can know is to believe. I can't make it right. It's right because he said it, not because I believe it. I have to count on it as being true. I mean, the only reason I can count on God is because I'm convinced he's faithful. Uh, if he said he'll do it, I just have to count on that. But he didn't say that he could do it and then tell you, well, not for you uh, because I want you to. He didn't say that. He said God is faithful to his word. If he said it, he'll do it. If he said by his stripes you're healed, then by his stripes you're healed. You are. Now, whether you believe that or not, you'll find out. Because you realize it's easy to say that, by his stripes I am healed, hallelujah. It's easy to say that. Do you really believe that? And will you believe that when healing is not manifested and you feel bad? Are you willing to act like you're healed when it's obvious that you don't look healed, sound healed? Are you willing to act like he is true and that it will be even as it was told you? That's Acts 27. See, Paul said on a ship that was sinking, sirs, be of good cheer. I believe God. And this is what I believe. I believe that it shall be even as it was told me. And the only basis for him being able to do that is because he believes that God is reliable and trustworthy and faithful. If I cannot take God at his word and depend on him to do what he said, there's no way I can make it through this life as a faithful person because I'll never know if he will or not. But when it's faith, you're convinced, you're persuaded. I keep saying that. I keep saying it because it is so true. Third revelation in 1 Corinthians 10 is that God is in charge. As I've already said, he won't suffer you to be tempted beyond what you're able. And fourthly, he said he will provide a way to escape. That means bring you to a good outcome. The outcome will be good, a way of escape. Or he'll bring you out to a landing place where the plane comes down you got to land. He'll bring you out. You'll make it, in other words. And fifthly, he said, you'll be able to bear up under it. Bear up means exactly that. You will be able to forbear. And you will not quit. And you will not give up because God does this personal work on your heart through these dark moments and days. And while you cannot put this into words, you are somehow by this work convinced that God can be trusted, that he will do what he says. Your friends think you're nuts. The world thinks you're crazy. The welfare department wants to put you in the hospital. The world thinks that we are crazy because we're standing on something we can't see. We're believing something is real, though we can't see any evidence of it. They can't. And if they can't see it, they can't believe it because to them, seeing is believing. But Jesus said, blessed are they who, though they see not, they believe. Faith is the evidence of things 
not seen. Such a foolish thing to the world. But based on all of this, we hold God as a personal conviction to be faithful. That that's all I've got. If I cannot believe and trust God because he said he would do it, if I can't do that, then I'm without hope. I don't have anything. I can go to church and be religious, but it'll never benefit me or advance me because it's meaningless when you get right down to the hour of difficulty. It has nothing to offer. I remember that so well. I mean, it's a lesson I saw with my dad. My dad came to the end of his life way too young to die, still in his 60s, way too young, old and wore out way before his time. And I remember at those last days, because I had just become a Christian a couple of years before he died, that his religion and all those years and whatever he did and whatever he heard in the Catholic Church gave him nothing to stand on. I have no regard for a religion like that. I don't. I have no regard for that. That a man would spend all of his life convinced that this is the right kind of religious system and it taught him nothing aided him in nothing in his life, gave him no tools or weapons to fight with, left him fearful and unbelieving and afraid, and, and finally he died. And he spent his whole life in that kind of religion? Never taught that God would do things, but just to go to a man and confess your sins and hope everything works well? What a hopeless religion that is. And yet people want to argue with what we're being taught here well, wait a minute. What does the scripture say? Amen. Now, when you read what it says, the question now is, do you believe that? And if you are convinced in your heart, if you will seek after God, he will disclose himself to you as someone you can rely on, someone you can trust on, because if he said it, he will do it. And this is where you make that big decision. I'm going to go this way, knowing this is so different from the world, but I'm going to go this way. Now, back to something common to Christians, a temptation. What is a temptation? A temptation is simply a test. This particular word here for temptation can mean one, that God will prove you. In other words, God will bring you into a divinely arranged situation, not designed to defeat you, but designed for you to show the circumstances to God or the devil that you're not going to quit. God will allow you to be tested. Was it not the spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted? That's our word. You know, the 40 days and 40 nights and be tested. Severe testing. So severe that God had to dispatch angels to strengthen him. That's pretty big testing. I mean, he left it all out there. There wasn't anything left, but God supplied his need. And never gave up, never whimpered, never whined, never looked back, never said it's not fair, why, how come, never said that. Just knew that always trusting God. Just take him at his word. And God proved him. God proved Abraham. Didn't he tell him to take his son out to a place where that dome of the rock is in Jerusalem? That nasty looking old dome is built over the rock where Abraham supposedly offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Remember he drew the knife? He was going to go through with this. 
But he believed that God would raise him from the dead if he did because he made a promise concerning him and he can't say one thing and then do something else. But God tested him. And when he tested him and he raised the knife, he said, do thy son no harm for now I know that you fear me. Because it's that kind of regard for God that leads to faith. There's all kinds of ways that we're tested. And this is what has happened. He said, take it not strange, Jesus said, concerning the fiery trials. Remember that? 1 Peter 4.12, take it not strange concerning fire. If you're a Christian, this is common. This is what we go through. Don't think it's strange concerning the testings you're going through. Don't think it's strange that just because you're living right, you don't have to sin to be tested. Jesus never sinned, but he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. Sometimes our trials and our testings uh, will benefit those around us who see us going through something, and they go, whoa. I know in, in my lifetime, I've had to go through certain trials that were publicly known to some degree so that when overcoming, people would know, well, it, it obviously works. I saw it work here. You don't know how often around in your family, your children or your parents, how much we affect each other by our stand in the Lord. Whether they honor and respect what you have or you respect what they have or whether you just pass it off as well, it sounds good, but it doesn't work. We're all going to be tested. The testing is approving. It's how we are advanced. It's how God brings us from A to B. Let me show you something about the necessity of trials. Peter wrote it like this. 1 Peter chapter 1. Would you turn over there? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7. This more or less says it all. Wherein you greatly rejoice... After he just said, you're kept by the power of God unto salvation. God's involved in that. He says, in the meantime, verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. Does it say that? Or if necessary? That you are in heaviness. That's what we experience. That's the darkness of all of this. You're in heaviness through manifold or many kinds of testings and trials that, verse 7, that's a trial of your faith. What do you believe? Do you believe he will bring you through this? Do you believe he will fix this? Do you believe he will save her or him? Do you believe that he will supply the money, the job, the necessary, whatever it is you need. Do you believe this? Because it certainly, and this is God often arranges it like this, it certainly doesn't look like it. It certainly doesn't feel like it. It certainly doesn't seem so. I am told it's not going to work. It sounds like it's not going to work. Everything is against it working. Do you still believe it'll work? That's the test. Like I said, I've been saved for 44 years next month. And I've had a chance in those many, that's almost half a century. My goodness, how old am I? In almost half a century of meeting people and standing before people more than half of my life and knowing a lot of people, I've seen lots and lots of people give up. I think because they came to the place where they just finally said, I don't think this is going to work. Now, God said it would. 
but they didn't think that he really would do what he said. Therefore, the problem is with God's faithfulness. Well, I know he said it, but I'm not sure that he will. But see, you have to stand the test. Again, this is how you grow. This is how you come to the place that God wants us to come to. Look at the end of this book you're in, chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist. Remember that? So we're talking about the difficulties of life, in life, that the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. Are you going to suffer a while? Let me ask you, are you in this life, in this life, are you going to suffer? It even promises you're going to suffer. Paul wrote, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. You're living in a hostile environment. You're living in a world in which most people, all their marbles are in this world. All their hopes and dreams are in this world. And what God wants them to do is that like departing from all their hopes and their dreams or their way of getting it. And the world thinks we're such fools for doing that. Oh, you could have been, you could have had. And yet he said, yet he said, after you have suffered a while, that after the suffering, this is what God, three things that God finished this verse that he would do. Well, he said four things, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's what he does. You can't do that. Those are the finishing touches before heaven. It happens during life. It's the refiner's fire. He will purge the sons of Levi. He will take his particular people that he has chosen as unrefined and as ugly and as laden as they are with ore and scum and world, and he will refine them through the tribulation. Think it not strange. Fiery trials that come on our way. And that God is doing a refining work. I don't know if many people can see it that way, but rejoice, brother. God's doing a good work here. And we want to fight. Good work. Yeah. He's giving you another opportunity in an extreme moment to show him you're going to trust him. Most people quit. Don't you join them. He's going to bring you in. He's going to bring you through. He's going to take care of you. He said he would. Count it all joy, brother. Count it all joy when you encounter divers' trials. Knowing this, that as he said here, the testing of your faith works endurance. And let endurance complete its work. Learn this steadfast. Let steadfastness do this deeper work inside of you that you emerge on the other side of victory as a person who will not give up. You can be trusted with a ministry. God could even let gifts now operate because they won't be abused, not by people like you. God may want to move amongst you now. He may do a lot of things that haven't been done because unproven people aren't going to enjoy the blessings and the deeper things of God. He's faithful. He's going to test us, and he's going to prove us. Now, with a bigger picture behind the scenes, 
is one of the most wonderful words in the Bible. It's the word sovereignty. God is sovereign. He is ruler and master over all of creation. There are religions and arguments of religion over this word sovereignty. The word sovereignty means that he is almighty. He is possession of all power and might in heaven and in earth. Nobody can change his plans. Nobody can prevent what he has decreed from happening. It will be in the end exactly as he said in the beginning. There is nothing that can stop the ways of God from coming to pass. What he said 4,000 years ago will come to pass 4,000 years later. And all down through history, everything in history, while man has a will to do this or do that, man has never had a will that he could change God's plans. God never waits to see what man is going to do before he does something else because it can never be the way the Bible says it. Man could interfere with God's plans, but man cannot interfere with God's plans because God is sovereign. God is a ruler. You have to believe that. Well, you should believe that, that a sovereign God is over all of us, and because he is sovereign, he is able to be faithful. It's one of the essential characteristics of his nature that God is faithful. This is essential to his godness is that he is faithful. He can be trusted. If he has said it, he will do it. If he has spoken, whatever it is, he will make it come to pass. I don't care what's going on or what people are doing. God can make it come to pass because he rules in heaven and in earth, including the devil. Nothing gets past him. Oh, the arguments and the exceptions to that throughout history. I've read many of them. Some of them are enjoyable to read. You learn how some of the truly giants of theology in the past would run into each other with these thoughts and ideas. You know, the Calvinists, of which I am somewhat of a Calvinist myself, their whole theological stand was based on God's sovereignty. And that because God is ruler over all the universe, man can do nothing unless God brings it to pass. They define the Calvinism by five points. It's called tulip. You know, it starts with total depravity and on and on and on. But they begin with the fact that man is totally depraved. He's dead in his trespasses and sins, not capable of saying yes to God. Arminians, on the other hand, which is what most of the religions are in the world, followers of Jacob Arminus, and they called his religion Arminianism. They believed that man possessed a free will and that at any time in his life when God spoke to him, that he was able, because of the spark of whatever in him, he was able to either accept Christ or reject Christ. The Calvinists say that's not possible. If a man is dead, he has no response to God whatsoever, and the only response he can have is when God gives him one. You'd be surprised how many people are not sure which one of those they believe. But it's easy. It's easy. You did not choose me. I chose you. We'll say, well, God knew from the beginning of time who would choose him. No, that's not predestination. How many of you believe that God has predetermined the way it's going to be? If he hasn't, then he doesn't know himself. 
if he has already made a divine determination of how life is going to be, if he has made a divine determination of how many hairs are on your head, of where you'll be tomorrow, how many molecules of air was in every breath you took, you want to get extreme? If you do not believe he knows that and how many you'll have tomorrow, then you do not believe that he is the beginning and the end. Because when he is the end, he knows how the end will come. He can tell us how the end is going to be because he's already arranged it. We can know before it gets here when it's going to get here and how we should live because he's already told us what to do. And he rewards us for being faithful. But how many people really see all of this in the big picture and they say, wow, can God do this? Of course he can. He's God. He created a world with a word. And you go up to the science center up north there by Cincinnati and quite a display up there of planets and stars. And I remember sitting in the room looking up there and they were showing pictures of planets or stars. And our sun, you know, is so much bigger than like Oh, a softball to maybe a little tiny grain of sand, a little bitty thing, you know, the difference. And yet, in the universe, our sun is so small compared to the other sun, it doesn't even show up. And something that can't even be seen like that has a little bitty thing going around it. It's had several of them, but one of them is in particular his little bitty, bitty, itty, bitty. Smaller than atoms, little, I mean tiny things, little bitty, like that, going around that little grain of sand. And, that, and that's where you are. And you're so little that somewhere on there is you. So we say what God says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And yet, man is such a wonderful creation that he is made in the image of God. And all of God's efforts and work is going to come. One day it'll all pass away. There'll only be his little city left, 1,500 miles square. And we'll be there. And everything else is out of darkness. See, we know how to get ready for all this because we believe what he said about it. We don't go to church and go, I don't know about all that. I don't know. How's that going to be? Well, it doesn't look like it'll be. They've been talking like that since the Bible was written. It's going to come to pass. It didn't. And they'll be saying that when Jesus comes and is gone. They'll be saying it again. Because he only appears to those that look for him. Only those who look for him will find him. And the only ones that will look for him are those who are seeking him. Jesus said, learn of me. And those who learn of him and seek after him are the only ones that are going to find him and experience him. But the one supreme thing about finding him is that they will realize in this walk with God through life, they will realize that God is faithful. And two things become vital in your realization that God is faithful. One, he's got to be faithful for you to have faith. I cannot trust in uncertainty. I cannot trust in maybe so's. I cannot trust in hope so's. If I'm going to dedicate my life, it's brief, you only live it once. If I'm going to give my life to something that is written in a book concerning somebody I've never seen or heard and can't prove, I'm going to give my life to that. I got to have something beyond myself. And the something beyond myself is called faith. Faith is a gift. It comes from God. It enables you 
Faith enables you to relate to God and count on him to do what he says because with true Bible faith comes the reality to your heart that God is faithful and can be trusted. That's why you trust him. And the reason you don't quit in trials is because, well, his faithfulness is essential to your endurance. You're not going to endure to the end on something that might work or supposed to work. You'll only endure to the end when you're looking only at him, counting only on him, and willing to go off the end into that future ahead of you. Nobody's been there yet. He's already there. But you're going to walk into that, holding on, not giving up, not quitting, not turning back, not looking back, not letting go of the plow because you believe. And you endure and you hold fast and you become steadfast. This is how you do it. He said in Revelation, he is faithful and true. Deuteronomy 7, 9, he says he is the faithful God. He can be counted on. I'm saying to you this morning, to you out there who watch this, God can be trusted. God alone is worthy of trust. People trust in money. They trust in medicines and, and things. And yet, they all fail at some point. Even God calls money uncertain, doesn't he? Uncertain riches. I think it's Psalms 35. He said, the horse is not mighty. Don't trust in horses. Don't trust in your fortress and your castles or your guns and your dogs and your traps and rays and whatever. He said, only God is powerful. Well, is he or not? Is he or not? You've got to deal with it because if you say, well, he is, then you'll be put to the test. Then you'll find out if you believe it or not. And if you find out you failed or you didn't do so well, then recover, regroup, and be quiet and learn. And then when you put the test again, you'll pass it the next time. God wants us to hold fast. Now, the question is, well, I alluded to it a while ago, because so many people have failed. In my time as a Christian, I have watched a lot of people turn back, not because necessarily they failed, but because somebody they knew failed. They're not too sure of this. Or the preacher, you know, with all the revelations about his healing never came to pass and he died not well, but like everybody else did, well, if it didn't work for him, how do I know it'll work for me, they would say. I've, I've had people ask me that. Why are you so sure that it'll work for you than when somebody greater than you are didn't work for them? To which I say, I don't know why things don't work for other people, but I know it's never because God changed his mind. Right. Are you saying there was something wrong? I'm just saying that God never changed his mind. And chances are, yes, there was. Because God doesn't say he'll do something, and then when you meet all the conditions, refuse to do it. That doesn't work like that. That's not the way it works. You would never hold God to be faithful if you weren't sure that for you, because you're doing what he said, he'll do it for you. If you thought he might not, you wouldn't do it. You'd turn back at some point. Well, I don't know, you take that verse in Numbers 23 and verse 19, brother. 
that God is not a man that he should lie. Now, I'm not accusing God of lying. All, all I'm saying is, he said, if he said it, will he not do it? Well, look, how many people have you known that when they believed all these promises, did they? God told us all, you know, we sat under the same meetings you did, took the same notes you did, heard the same tapes you did. Talking about eyes and teeth and car wrecks and prosperity. I mean, they didn't get it. They heard the same thing and didn't work for them. A lot of them died tragically and lost everything tragically because they believed all of this. That's what people tell us all the time. You are crazy, man. This ain't going to work. Well, we tell them number 23 19. If God said it, he'll do it. If he's spoken, he'll make it good. Will he or not? And then what do you do with people? Say, well, I, apparently it doesn't because look how many it doesn't work for. I've had people say to me, look how many people in your church this is not working for. There's a three-letter word that's absent from too many vocabularies. It's the word yet. It's not a foreign word. It's an English word. It just means yet. It hasn't worked yet. Now, I don't know if everybody who is saying, I don't know if you're believing or not. Maybe you were put to the test and you didn't do so good. So you're kind of drawn back on the adversarial side. Well, I don't know about all that stuff. Why don't you know all about that stuff? You giving up on God because you fail? You think God has given up on you when he lets you come and listen to his word? He hadn't given up on you. You're still here. Nobody's going to heaven with a badge, with a medal. There are no medals of honor. Nobody gets to heaven and puts us, you know, I was perfect in the life. I never failed. I hope you don't. But our walk is a walk where the Bible says fear and trepidation sometimes. The world's a vile place. It's an ugly place. It's so easy to get distracted, to have so many things invade your life that once weren't there, that take up so much of your time, confuse you about facts and realities, and draw you into a place where you're not as sure today as you were 30 years ago, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, woo! 20 years later, hmm. same word, same verse, same message, same thing. 20 years later, instead of, whoo, it's kind of down. Something happened in 20 years. But listen how good God is. You're still here. He's not happy about us not doing well, any of us. But he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all of us would come to salvation. And while you might have miserably done a flop, he has wonderfully done a rescue. And he might drag you up and look you in the eye and scare you good. You ought to be scared. Then he give you a big divine kiss and put you back and say, now you do better next time. You mean you're not going to kick me out? You're not done with me? Mm -hmm. See, I started this whole, whole thing with you. I started this whole thing with you. 
I know how you felt. I know what tempted you. I know why you went astray. I didn't stop you anymore. And I got involved with Peter's temptation other than I won't let him do more than he can. The devil can't be bigger in your life than what you know to do. I'm in charge. I didn't keep you from failing. My people are destroyed for lack of God. He didn't keep them from not learning. He didn't block their minds. They got busy. They were distracted with other things. It wasn't as important 30 years later as it was 30 years ago to learn. It wasn't as much fun 30 years later when it demands more thought and intensity than it was when you first started with a woo! Now it's down to maturity. There's a growth taking place, a shakening, a refining is taking place. And God who started all of this is, is right on time, right on target. We're all being brought through the same furnace, the same fire, the same shakening, the same pointed finger, sometimes the same flop, but the same rescue meets you. Though a righteous man may fall seven times, the Bible says God will raise him up. We're not trying to fall and counting on just getting raised up. If we were, I can fall, it's okay, you'll raise me up. Not necessarily. How many times did you fallen? Four? Well, you got three to go? No. <laughs> you better watch out. You better watch out. But the people do murmur. Like I said, I'm not trying to impress you with how old I am or how long I've been here. I've been here longer than anywhere I've been in my life. So there's no impression here. But through the years, through the years, how many people have asked questions that telegraph their unfaithful attitudes towards God or an attitude towards God in which they're not sure he can be counted on? I don't know if I'm going to do that. What if I died? I'll go there now. You know, what if, what if we lost everything? What if I had to give everything up? To, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said that he has something better. Yeah, I know he said that, but I, I how many of you know that God is testing his people? We're on schedule. We're on target. He's brought us to a place, brought us his word, give us a mind that can comprehend it, and then he's putting that, what we have learned, to the test. Oh, how many times have people, when you say, as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven and waters the earth and makes it bring forth green stuff for the bread and for the eater, and some of it is seed for the sower next year? So shall my word be, God says. Isaiah 55, so shall my word be, God said, that goes forth out of my mouth. Where does it go to when it goes out of his mouth? When God speaks, does he talk to Jupiter? Does he talk to... Saturn or Pluto? Who's he talking to? And a word goes out of his mouth, where does it go? Well, he said it goes into a book. Fine. Who's the book for? It's not for Muslims. And obviously it's not for a lot of religions. Who's it for? It's for you. Specifically you. The natural man on this earth cannot receive the things of the Spirit. They're spiritually discerned. Who can understand the Bible? Nobody except the Spirit show it to them. Amen. It's all spiritually understood. And yet, 
The spiritual understanding of this word defines God in such a way that you have to go, whoa. Now, let's test you to see if he really is, whoa. Because you go through a trial and, you go through <laughs> and you're going through this and through that. When you come out on the other end, you're supposed to go, whoa. Praise God. What you just went through becomes an Ebenezer stone, a wonderful rock laid in your life. And as you go through the next year, you look back and say, well, this will work because it worked there. He's faithful. Your life becomes a testimony to the faithfulness of God. You will not let go. That's the way it should be. Oh, really? Where are all these miracles in the Bible speaks of? Where's all this power that you all talk about? You know, all the miracles, the healing. When's the last time you saw, and then they start mentioning all the different healings they've never seen. When's the last time you saw a miracle? We're a charismatic church. We don't hear tongues interpretation and all these kind of things here. I thought this was a charismatic assembly. Well, where do y'all ever do this? Y'all ever talk in tongues? Yeah, I do every day. I don't know that I have that gift, but I speak in tongues every day. I want to, and I get to. Well, then wh where's all these gifts y'all talk about? I've heard you teach on the gifts. When do they ever work here? Have they ever worked? Well, let me ask you something. What if, and I'm not saying this is true here with you and me or you out yonder. What if God withheld gifts for a reason. What if God withheld his grace gifts because the people would misuse them if they did give them? Could he know that? What if people weren't really heart and soul, let me use 30 years later, 20 years later, if 20 years later the enthusiasm is waned and you're just kind of getting along and now you're involved in a lot, this and that and dust and so, would God... Use gifts just to inspire you and to make you feel better? No, they're not for that purpose. Not always. Then maybe there's something wrong with us. And see, religious people, church members don't like to be told there's something wrong with you. Oh, you, don't, you just don't like to be told that. Just don't like that. Why couldn't we cast this demon out, Jesus? Do you know what he told them? Matthew 17. He said, because of the littleness of your faith. Time out, time out, Lord. Time out, time, 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 time. You just sent us out two by two, and we went around all these villages and towns all over the place, and every time we laid hands on them, every time we did this, the demons would flee, the dead were raised, the blind could see, the lame walked, and then you tell us that, we don't, that because of our faith? You mean we could have been there and not be there now? Apparently, yes. So the reason you can't cast this thing out is a faith problem. He warned them about their faith once. Lord, increase our faith. And he said, you know, and he goes on to talk. He says, when you've done all the things that are commanded you, you're still an unprofitable servant, so don't go around acting like you're really somebody important. You're just a vessel. It's all you are is a vessel. And all the power comes from God.
But just because we have heard a lot, been a lot, and sat here a lot doesn't mean that we automatically are entitled to anything that God has. We have to live according to his word. In Israel, once there were 37 mothers that wailed all night, 37 of them just cried all night long because the Israelites had walked around Jericho on that seventh time they walked around and they shouted and the walls fell flat. And God said, don't take anything in there. Remember the gold and the silver, that whatever they have? Remember that one man, Achan? And he took something for a change of garments. It, was, it had Hickey Freeman on it. It was a really nice suit. And he got all these garments and he hid it and took it into his tent and brought a curse on the people so that God no longer visited the people. When they would cry out, there was no answer. It's not supposed to be like that. Not supposed to be like that. They just went to AI the next time to fight and said, how big is it? Oh, it's not very big. They told Joshua, just take two or 3,000 men, go up there and deal with it. And they got up there and got whooped, as we would say it. 37 of them were killed. And they came back ready to quit. You know why? We're not supposed to lose. We're not supposed to have those kind of failures. God has given us a way to walk that works. We still have to fight. We still have to arm ourselves. He said, every place the sole of your foot treads in this place, I'll give it to you. But there are giants. They have iron chariots. That scared the Israelites. They have these giants. Everywhere from Hebron to Gath. And so they got all these big monster men. <laughs> you ain't much when you look at those guys. How do you know it's going to work? Well, they, they only had God at his word. Caleb was a believer, wasn't he? Caleb said, give me where they are. Caleb, you're 80 years old. I'm as good a man as I ever was. Strong as I ever was, fast as I ever was. Wouldn't that be nice to me to say it eight more years? But he said, give me the land. There's something about some people that God seems to always honor. Are you with me? It just seems like it works. But that doesn't mean that the whole group is walking the same way. I mean, they lost 37 men. They sat down and cried. Joshua said, have you brought us out here to die like this? We're not supposed to lose, not even a man. And God said, there's sin in the camp. Didn't he? There is sin in the camp. You thought it was a trial of your faith, and really it was just sin. You're rebuking the devil. I'm confessing this, and I'm confessing, when really it's just a sin. You need to repent. Or your attitude's so bad that you're going through chastisement. It's not a trial of your faith, it's chastisement. You're being chastised. It's not a trial of your faith. It's chastisement. But that's necessary too. That's a corrective measure from God. One reveals, one corrects, and one judges. And so when people begin to talk about all oh, this, well, that ain't fair, and this isn't right, and that's not right. Listen, God holds us as individuals to examine ourselves Make sure that I'm living with what I know, what I believe. 
I can't live in what I don't believe. I can't follow somebody else. I got to follow what's in my heart. I got to walk this way because I believe it's right. This is where I am. This is what I must do. And when God's not visiting me, when things aren't working well in my life, the first person I look to is me. When things don't go well, when something's not right, I'll just go ahead and say it. I live like my attitude, my heart is that it's supposed to be right with me. It's supposed to work. That it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be well with me because that's what the Bible teaches. Obey my voice, Jeremiah 7, 23, and I will be your God and you shall be my people. Now, let me see what the conditions are. Walk in uh, as much as you want to walk. Walk in all the ways that I have commanded you. That, that, Say, it may be well with you. Say, it may be well with me. It may be well with, with me. Isn't that what God has promised? Obey my voice. Give heed to my commandments. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. Deuteronomy 8, 16. Deuteronomy 4, I think it's verse 9. Just do what he said. Be faithful. Deuteronomy 28, 1. Be a heeding do. Hedendu. You know where they are, that tribe called, the, you ever heard of the Hedendus? In Shelbyville. They're supposed to be. I'm not taking anything for granted. I'm taking it one day at a time. I'm not going to assume that all of you are right as you should be. I don't know that you are or not. I know my job is not to make you right. My job is to tell you what is right. That it's between you and God. And you either want to or you don't. And if you want to, nobody can stop you because you won't quit. They can pound on your headpiece, but they can't get to your heart. Your headpiece meaning your mind. God has conditions he wants us to live by, and he's going to bring us to them. He'll show them this is the way you live. You're supposed to do well. You're supposed to get a good promotion. You're supposed to be well. He said, well, that condemns me. It shouldn't condemn you. It should examine you. We're not done yet. Well, I failed. We've all failed. Well, I came up short. You're not the first one. You're still here, aren't you? Then God's not through with you. He loves you enough, and he knew what he got when he drug you out of the miry clay. You remember how sticky that, some of that's like glue, you know, <laughs> for it pop loose. That's, that's the way some of us came out. And he set us in his garden, and boy, what a project we've been. But God is such that he can just snap his finger and change the course of your life. Because he's able. He's sovereign. And because he's sovereign, he is absolutely faithful. If he has said it, he will do it. If he has spoken it, he will make it good. So what is our great need then? And when we're going through some of these difficult times and we're, and we're again, being dis distracted, this morning, right now, for us, if this is applying to us, what can I do? Well, I'm going to pray for light. For light. Turn to Psalm 119. And verse 130. 
Interesting point here. He said, the entrance of thy word giveth light. Don't let that go. Hold on to that for a minute. Let me put an if here. It doesn't put an if there, but let me put one there. If the word does enter in, because it doesn't enter into everybody, does it? They can't. Not everybody can receive it. But if you can, the entrance of thy words give light. Where it once was dark or dim and not really clear, when the word comes in, it's like a light comes on. Something is pulled away. Something that was hid is seen. The entrance of thy word. Now, the root word, as I understand from one author, the root word of the word entrance, the word from which our Hebrew word entrance comes from, the root means to impress, to engrave. It's like the entrance of the words is, has the effect of when an engraver taps something into a stone or impresses something there that can be seen. I think it goes like this from the, the word goes into the fleshly tables of your heart. That's what the reference is uh, too. Instead of written on stone, now these words become engraved on your heart because they have come to your heart. I don't know that everybody who hears the word of God receives it or understands it. But for those that get it, for those whom God graciously opens their eyes, the entrance of his words give light. Now, when light comes, that doesn't mean you'll believe it. But it'll be your judge if you don't. Is that fair? When God said, this is the way walking in it, that doesn't mean you will. It means you can. That God has given you a way. Psalms 43, oh, send out thy light and thy truth and let them lead me. It means that when there is light... There is vision. You can see something that you couldn't see before. God makes it clear enough that you know to go in that direction or go that way. You no longer have to say, well, why? You don't have to be negative like this anymore. You just have to sometimes be still, be quiet and say nothing. Now, I'm trying to learn that more and more. I have too many opinions about too many things in this world. But when it comes to God, if you don't understand it, just be still. Put a watch before your mouth, lest you sin with your mouth. Lest you say something you have no business saying. Lest you talk about something for which you have no answer. Lest you're talking in negative terms and discouraging other people. Be still, be quiet. But when God's word is made clear to you and the light comes on in light of being faithful and going through and overcoming, when this light does come on, the entrance of that word shows us the way to go. When the Bible says, teach me thy way, O Lord, that I may walk. The word teach obviously has to do with your eyes being open to see the right way. You can't walk in a way that you don't know about. Follow your parents. Follow your preacher. That'll last until you're put to the test and then you'll quit. How many people years ago followed the preacher? They followed the preacher. They didn't check to see what they believed about it or if that's what it actually said. If he said it, they made that their gospel. And then when he was gone, they had nobody to follow and they just vanished. 
I'm telling you folks, that is not what God is doing. God is instilling in his people not only his word, but the light of his word, and it becomes the love of your life. It becomes your love because it's the only hope you've got. As Deuteronomy said, it is your life. This is how we live. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. And every word is light. It's a revelation of something. Your trials, when he gives you light in your trial, it could be a revelation of his way through it, or it could be a revelation of the sin or the problem in your life, which you don't like. Christians typically do not like to be told ever that they're wrong, that your church service is wicked. Well, could that ever be? <laughs> oh, I don't want to get so far away from this. Do you remember the Laodicean church? Jesus said, I know your works. I know this and that. But he said, I have this against you. For you have said we are rich. You don't need anything. They had a system that they had made up. They fulfilled all of its requirements, and they were quite happy they did it their way. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, you're wretched. You're naked. You're blind. And you're poor. That's how God saw the service. Do you think he's going to move in it? You think he's going to shower them with wonderful gifts and moments? Woohoo! It only makes them stronger in the fact that our way is a good way. It's better than any other way. They had a dead religion, but they were happy with it. God says, You're all blind. You're blind. And you're naked, shamefully naked. You're wretched. That wouldn't go over well today, would it? What if you went into the big cathedral of yesterday and talked like that, if it was true? Well, they'd throw you back on the street corner yelling at people walking down the street like they do, you know. A little mission church somewhere where God probably does really speak to people. Folks, it's amazing after all these years. It's amazing how clear and simple this whole message is. It's complicated sometimes to explain it, but when you look at the bigger picture, it's so clear. God shows us something we couldn't see any other way. And then he encourages us to walk that way. He doesn't make us walk that way, but he encourages us to. This is called faith. And the reason we don't stop walking is because we believe that what he said, he'll do it. He's faithful. And so we hold fast. We hold fast and we hold on. And we bear up. And don't give up. Now, in closing, turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11. Paul is mentioning in verse 10 and before that, he talks about all the things that he had gone through. Ministerially speaking, in order for him to function, to do what he's doing, to call on his life, to minister to all these churches, to spend so much time that sometimes he spoke all night long, had so much to say because he had so much light. And as long as people would receive it, he'd keep talking. Now, we can't do that today because we got too many other things to do. We got this to do, we got that to do, we got to go there, we got to eat, we got to go visit, we got to go home, we got to do that. See, we couldn't do that today. Not here in America. Maybe here in Sheffield. We couldn't do that today. In fact, if it goes too long, you'll probably get them to leave. We just a stomach for so much. 
And Paul had so much to give. And as long as they were open and chewing and chomping on it, he kept giving it to them all day long, months. Go somewhere and go in the synagogues to talk to the Jews. And, and why is it? And all day long, people wanted it. And he gave it to them. So he's talking about the labors, about his labors. Labor here means exhaustive work. He said in verse 11, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. Remember he was stoned at one time and they left him for dead, mangled under a pile of rocks. And he got up, knocked the rocks off, got up and went back in the city. Wouldn't you like to meet him? Man, talk about a guy that wouldn't give up. They came out and rocked this fellow down. There wasn't nothing left. It was just a soup. Because they didn't. Rocks weren't little BBs. I mean, rocks were big old things. They didn't knock you down. They'd get close. They'd just throw them on you. And he got up and walked back into the same city those fellows that stoned him were in. He didn't run and flee. He walked back in there. I like to think he was pretty bold. And I like to think the people that stoned him were pretty scared. But he said, I endured all these things at these places. I went through all of this for your sakes. And notice this, he said, what persecutions I endured. I endured. But out of them all, and it'll be for us too, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Chevyville, but out of them all, God delivers you. Out of all of them, God will deliver you. Out of them all. Remember that verse in 1 Timothy? I think it's in the chapter 4. He said, I labor in the word and reading the word. And he said, and the reason I do this is so that all that hear me can be saved. Remember that? That all those that hear you will be saved. Because the more light you give, the more you show the light and reveal the light and give forth the word of God to those that want to hear it, the better chance they have of overcoming, conquering, and maybe leading others along the way. Amen. God is faithful. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, grant that we too, Lord, would be faithful in our walk on this earth in our momentary afflictions, which you said are only light, momentary afflictions in this world. May we as Christians have a bigger picture. May we see Jesus walking with us, supporting us, holding us up, going before us, leading us along the way, knowing that he is faithful. He never leads us to defeat or destruction, but always to victory. Thank you, God, for all these many years, all these good ways you've led us. In the middle of this week, Lord, you have allowed us to be a body of believers here for 31 years. And we're not worthy of all that, but you have deemed us worthy and you've given us that. And we this morning give you thanks. We're grateful. Now, I pray you'll bless everybody that's sitting here before me, that every heart will have room in it 
for the royalty of your word. And that when it comes in this morning as it has, that it does bring light so that everybody is informed. We all know better now. We all know more now. And may that word, Lord, become the driving factor of our life. May we be faithful to it. I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Believe it, oh fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, nay, I will help I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Oh, sing it again, oh fear thou not, for I am.